I'm Perry Nance-Jams, and this is Embrace Your Essence podcast. Welcome back to Embrace Your Essence podcast, everybody. It's Perry Naz, and I am here with amazing Micaiah Jones, who I met on the Clubhouse app and is one of the most phenomenal voices I've heard on there so far, and you are soon going to learn why I feel that way. So the Embrace Your Essence interviews are always an opportunity for leaders in healing, health, spirituality, and education to come forth, share their voice, share their story, and how it is that they are bringing health and healing to the world through their zone of genius. And Micaiah is doing some incredible things at such an early stage in life. So I'm so excited to share her with you and for you to hear her voice and her story. As always, as you are listening, keep in mind how this story resonates with you. What questions does it illuminate for you within your awareness? And by the end of this discussion, you'll know how you can reach out to Micaiah. You can learn more about her story, her work, and how you can support it as well. So without further ado, let's jump straight in. So Makai, I'm going to give you a little introduction. She is a holistic child strategist, and she's working primarily with youth between the ages of 12 and 18 to develop physical, mental, and emotional wellness. That stands out to me so far right off the bat because that's a lot of what I do as well, this mind body and spirit connection. Most recently, Micaiah has been working in her nonprofit organization, which she founded, which is called Mind the Agape. And it's really designed to walk students through coaching and mentoring. That's going to help them cultivate that sense of holistic well-being and self-awareness. Micaiah, I would love for you to share a little bit more about this. And I would love if you could start off talking about where Mind the Agape came from. Of course, of course, of course. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I think it's amazing what you're doing. So it's truly an honor. But yeah, we can just pop right in. So the story behind the inception of Mind the Agape can truly be surmised in the name of the business itself. Kind of like what you're getting at. Mind the Agape is a play on the phrase used to caution passengers um, on the London transit system watch their seven stepping on and off of the train platform. So essentially the gap that it's referencing is representative of um, a couple different things that Mind the Agape seeks to address. The first gap is the generational one, the one between Gen X and Gen Z, um, which can kind of be understood um, first by looking at Gen X, of course, which was primarily focused on um, having physical needs met and material needs and um, things of that nature. Whereas Gen Z has a greater focus on self-actualization, emotional needs, and a little bit more non-physical factors. And then another factor or another gap that it pays homage to is the one between where we stand in our individual journeys of self-actualization versus where you want to go, which is essentially reaching the more full version of yourself um, that's well-balanced and, like I said, actualized in your experience. So I hope that gives sort of brief overview. And then instead of using the word gap, of course, from the phrase mind the gap, it is mind the agape. And agape is the ancient Greek word for unconditional love. Amazing. And so this idea of unconditional love, this is something I talk about a lot, a lot. Actually, my most recent podcast episode is all about 
the different forms of love and how so often we get caught in the love that has pretense. It's the one that's actually seen through the mind, where we're relating through the stories of our mind based on who we see ourselves to be, who we see the other person to be, and how we're supposed to be relating, which is born through norms and societal expectations. So I fundamentally agree that there is something to be pulled apart here, which is that we have a society that's living in conditional love. And as a result, a lot of us cannot function as our true and authentic self. And in our previous conversations, you've talked about how you're someone who advocates for the power of love and not the culturally misconstrued concept of it, but something deeper beyond that. Can you speak to what that is? What does that mean to you? Right. A phenomenal overview that you've just given of it, though. I truly believe that love is at the root of wellness, which I know that we connect over the whole concept of holistic wellness. Because without that love, there's not truly a whole lot of inspiration or motivation to really, you know, begin exploring what it would look like adopting wellness into your lifestyle. So I believe that, you know, love, again, is not only central to my own life, but how it manifests through mind the agape organizationally. I feel that through the power of love, and that is both a feeling and an action, you know, you learn to want to invest in yourself and sacrifice for those around you to see a betterment entirely between like your environment and your own personal journey. Yeah. So that's kind of where I go things. Yeah. So it sounds like what I heard you just say is love is a fundamental piece of wellness and well-being. And I know that your organization is designed to promote well-being and wellness for youth. So how does this actually show up in the work you're doing with kids? Right, that's a great question. I think it truly shows up just in the model of very intentional investment in the students, which I think I would consider a form and act of love. And I know I kind of spoke on this earlier with you that love is often misconstrued. And so we can be weary of conflating it with like, the way that we, you know, systemically educate our students or how we even work throughout, you know, the workplace and several industries. But for me, I think it is fundamental to begin including it to actually see ourselves excel. So as that pertains specifically to working with the students, I think it is an act of love to foster an environment where they can find the things they're passionate in and, you know, give them the confidence to go through the world as an independent and an an individual. I think it's an act of love to empathize because I don't know where else empathy could stem from, but that, Mm -hmm. that because I love you in our one-on-one coaching sessions and mentoring, I will take from the experiences I've had and try to guide you on your own personal journey Mm -hmm. that you're walking through. Mm -hmm. So what you said at the very beginning of that statement stands out to me because it gives me a little peek into your own self-awareness and maybe a little bit of where you have been personally. Because what you I heard you say is the model, which is that I'm just investing in you, right? The child or the children, I'm just investing in you in the first place. That says to me that you know the difference between what it feels like 
for someone, an adult, a mentor, uh, a caregiver to invest in you for who you truly are and maybe love you out of obligation or with pretense. Can you share where does this come from within you? What has your journey been and and walk us to the degree you're comfortable through that? Sure, I'd love to. I guess it all kind of starts in grade school. So I came from a very non-traditional education background with homeschooling being the majority of my time in, you know, secondary school, um, primary school. But going into high school is is where I started to be introduced to like the public school situation. And a lot of us know where this is going already because it is it is a jungle gym, essentially. It is a fight or flight enacting experience. And I dealt with a plethora of social issues, you know, just from, you know, cyberbullying and, you know, in-person bullying, you know, gossiping and, you know, rumors and everything that coincides with that. And despite coming from a background that was very solid, you know, with having, you know, both my parents involved in my life and giving me a quality standard life, despite that, I still faced a very tumultuous time. It was very turbulent. And again, like I had a very ideal school profile. I was getting always, you know, I had the 4.0. I was always in sports and starting clubs. But again, despite that off paper, off record, there was so much like emotional and mental turmoil. Um, And I didn't really have any emotional or mental support through that time with exception of, you know, one school guidance counselor and a couple of other teachers that really sat down and wanted to invest in me. I mean, I realized that because there was such a minority of those, you know, teachers and counselors that, you know, could pour in to that extent into the students, I realized that not everyone was getting that support that they needed to get through like such a hard time and time period. And so I think that kind of disseminated in me like a seed to want to offer that to other students while they're going through, you know, the hard, challenging time of teenagehood. Mm -hmm. I can definitely relate to what you just said of things looking from a distance, very nice and put together, but internally it feels very difficult. Like you're out in the middle of an ocean that's not, and they're not friendly waters and you're, you're not sure how to navigate it. That's quite challenging. And I think it's this very, very common reality of being being a child, being an individual, being a woman, being so many different things that society kind of presses on us. So you just spoke about your time in high school and feeling like there were very few points of support for you. So at what point did things shift? You know, I I hear you saying that experience, your lived experience is really what has informed your passion and your desire and now the work that you do but where did the shift come from being feeling the inner turmoil to really starting to transform this within you and then externally? Right. I love that. I think it really began again with learning self-love and realizing that it was too fickle to call or understand love as solely a feeling because what are you going to do when that feeling is no longer there? 
you know, does this mean that you're going to deteriorate and, you know, you know, just have a rougher life? So learning how to love yourself outside of the affirmation you feel at that given time, that was a game changer for me. So working again with those very few teachers and counselor, you know, that is what I think inspired this adoption of self-love, self-love. And from that, wellness became, you know, a larger component of that and or just a larger outcome. So moving out of high school and going to college, that is truly what sustained me in, in terms of the balance and healing and just stability really came from, okay, here's how I actionably want to love myself. You know, because I love myself, I will, you know, invest in my nutrition and, you know, physical wellness. I will take time to meditate and embrace, you know, a calmness, you know, and because of that, I want to invest my passions, mm. recognizing that they're all kind of tethered to one another. You can't, you know, have one completely depleted area of wellness and expect that, you know, you're going to be able to actualize, you know, the full yes. fulfillment of who you're supposed to be. Yes, completely. I think you've just really opened the door to something so important, which is that early on in life, we start to internalize and wear the layers of pain. And whether it comes from bullying, as you said, or just any, it's almost the minute experiences that stick to us. And as a result, as we step into adulthood, it all of the sudden, no one tells us this, no one prepares us for this, but it becomes our responsibility to let go of those things, to heal those things and transform them. And we do not know how. And right. that's why I'm always curious where the shift happens for individuals, because there is not a narrative out here for people to do that. And so you really have to be someone who is committed to yourself. You really have to have that awareness turn on and then be brave enough and courageous enough to say, I'm going to go towards this, even though it's not what I'm told to do. As you know, and I'm sure you see in your students, and I would love to hear even more about how it looks for them, we're actually told to, to shove it away, to run away from it, to suppress it and bottle it up. And again, that's broken down 10 more times based on all of the roles we have, gender, race, class. There are all these expectations of how we are supposed to not show up in our emotions and pain. And this idea of running towards healing, as you have said, is freeing, but it's scary because not enough people know how to do it and that it's okay. So when you work with your students... I get the impression that a lot of this is opportunity for them to show up authentically. Yeah. What are some of the modalities or the tools that you use to help them express themselves authentically? And if you were to say that there were one or maybe two tools for kids and young adults, really, to be using to cultivate authentic self-expression, what, what would they be from your perspective? Yeah, I think that it goes back to kind of what you're referring to, that, you know, it's constantly this message taught to us to almost oppress 
you know, our truer sides, our most authentic version of ourselves. And I think because we're in so many environments that's conducive to that message, you have to truly glean from the environments that are unlike that. And that's kind of at the forefront and premise of Mind the Agape. It's an environment where everyone is allowed to be vulnerable because everyone wants to be. It does hurt, you know, as you're referencing it. It doesn't feel the best because you're subjecting yourself to the uncertainty of being accepted or belonging. But I think it starts with yourself. It starts with, are you okay belonging with yourself and to yourself? Are you okay in solitude? Have you accepted yourself first? And that's really what we are trying to foster in this community is, you know, this is a place where I am human and to be human is to be flawed. And I am loving myself, not in spite of, but because of the flaws I have and that this is a space where everyone can do that. And I think it really, it sinks in after a while. You're like, this is a safe space. This is a safe place to come and do that with others and walk through that experience. And I think it is so incredibly beautiful to, you know, be able to acknowledge your brokenness that, you know, it's not by any means, a lot of times, your fault. But, mm. you know, allowing us to be a place where it can start to become your responsibility and mm-hmm. others can help you along that journey within, you know, that Canadian space. So, Thank you for saying that. It's really so beautiful what you've just said. And part of what I love about it is that you are saying this space, your space that you create for your students and all these healing spaces that we have that are authentic, They are the space that really allows individuals to step into and realize that they are safe with themselves. So the space is not really the healer. It creates the opportunity for individuals to find healing in themselves. And as you have experienced, surely, healing comes entirely from within. It's sometimes not something you might even be able to Put into words. You certainly can't describe those moments where the shifts happen. I'm sorry, predict when those are going to happen. But when they do, you start to realize that it's all from you, right? So a mentor, a teacher, an organization, a program can create the container, but you have to step into it with the openness and the honesty to say, I'm going to explore who I really am here. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think you have to literally be able to look at yourself. And that is probably one of the most difficult and challenging things that anyone can ask of a person. Can you look at yourself? Because we can be so nurtured to be so self-critical. You know, the majority of people, if you ask them what their internal dialogue looks like, they are so harsh. And I love the words of Brene Brown this, you know, best-selling author, psychologist, she really describes that, that, you know, we would never talk to anyone like the way we talk to ourselves, like the negative thoughts and how even like the slightest mental shift can change the trajectory in all areas of your life. It is just so crucial and critical. And that is not talked about nearly enough. Yes. Not enough. You're right. And I do think it highlights how much expectation, pressure, and very narrow definition around 
who we can be is put forth. Because if we're all out here with such negative self-talk saying, gosh, you're just not good enough. Wow, you, you did it, but not really well enough. Or wow, you're such an idiot or you suck or what have you. All of these things, something I hear from my clients over and over again is you're not lovable. You know, you're just not very pretty. You have all these things wrong with you. You're too sensitive, et cetera. So if we're out here carrying around these novels worth of negative self-talk, it begs the question, why? Why is that such a norm for us? Okay, well, if it's the norm for people to be so harsh on themselves, truly mean to themselves, then it tells me that we all think that there is something we're supposed to be and we're missing the mark. And we have been told generation after generation, society by society, that this is how you're supposed to show up. And then the people around us, a lot of times our schools, our churches, our parents, even though they care about us, they are part of that same system and they reinforce these messages. So the caregiver you grew up, if you're a female and you watch your mother, you learn her methods of showing up as a woman. Your father, if he was there, how he showed up, he shows you what it means to be a man, right? And you end up internalizing that. You end up wearing that no matter what. So to everybody who listens to these podcast episodes, who's listening right now, this is what we're talking about here. It's your responsibility. And as much as it's a responsibility, it's an invitation to go into yourself and say, what is really mine? Have I been walking the path of expectations. And if you start to ask yourself that question and all of a sudden the walls go up because you say, oh my goodness, yes, I've been living in conditioning. And I think so many of my stories come from fill in the blank. Maybe you can identify your mother, your father, that friend you had in middle school, what have you, the walls tend to go up. The walls go up because we don't want to look at that with clarity because it's very difficult to face. It scares us that maybe someone we loved actually unknowingly inflicted harm on us. It's difficult for us to acknowledge that the childhood we had maybe was not one that was most helpful to us being our authentic self. And the walls can go up because it's easier to just stay in that unknowing space. But what... And Kaya is talking about here what Embrace Your Essence podcast continually talks about is that you have to go directly to those things. And it's not with judgment. It's not with shame. It's not with the idea of getting angry at your parents or whomever and then casting them out. It's simply looking at it with clarity. And that is where you find clarity of self. That is where self-awareness is born. Without self-awareness, we cannot embrace our essence. We cannot embrace who we truly are and who we've always been. And I am so, so truly blown away that you've identified this and you're using your time right now. Are you still an undergrad? I am, yeah. You're using your time in undergrad to share exactly this message. That is phenomenal. And I hope you, Micaiah, see how phenomenal that is. Not just because, you know, it's, it's impressive that you've started an organization and you're balancing your studies and you're doing this, but because of the nature of the work, you're doing something that most people don't have the opportunity to or cannot do because it's so scary in their entire lifetime. 
It's amazing. I appreciate that so much. And then I also wanted to go back to some, like you mentioned so many things. <laughs> I know, I just off. went off. I took <laughs> off. <laughs> You're on fire and it's like your passion really shows through. And I have that same tendency. I'm like, oh yes, I'm literally like air high-fiving because I think it is just amazing. Everything you touched on. But I, I just truly agree with you. I think it starts with asking yourself questions. You know, there was this one quote I heard the other day with, it's not enough to exert your thoughts, but they're worth scrutinizing too, you know, in the sense that this is something that I should probably unpack a little more. I always say this phrase, I'm like, the question why is your fifth cardinal direction, right? Mm. So you have, you know, north, east, southwest, but then you also have why, yes. and that's a non-physical direction giver, yes. where it's like, okay, I hate women. Yeah. <laughs> I hate yeah. women relationships. But why? Yes. You know, like I feel ugly every day. I get up. But why? And it, and that that is like pulling the one thread that'll unravel. Yeah. You know why these schemas have developed throughout your life, and that you know provides direction, leading you back to living a life of fulfillment. Ooh. You know, like yes. You know, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to mention too is kind of at the crux of why, you know, school age youth is a passion of mine. It is because of this thing called self-determination theory. If you have not heard of it, look it up. But essentially it talks about, you know, where we find motivation to make choices throughout our life, right? And school is not designed around this internal motivation that we have to right. learn. Right. And this is because it's so fundamental to your earliest childhood experiences being in grade school. The fact that it's not designed around your inherent curiosities and desire to learn and that it is made to be an extrinsic reward system. Yeah. You lose. That is taken away from you. You lose the desire to ask questions. Yes. You know, lose the desire to explore. And, and it comes back to, like I said, we have to be able to ask ourselves those questions, even if it's hard. Yes, I love that. And, you know, it's so powerful to be connecting with kids because if you can instill that awareness and you can create the space where they're invited to ask the question of why are these thoughts developing within me, then you have created adults who are walking in the world, walking in responsibilities, roles, they're taking on jobs and families with greater self-awareness, which opens the door to compassion, agape, unconditional love. You cannot have unconditional love if you do not have compassion. Compassion is seated in awareness. Right. These questions, exactly what you just talked about, why? Why is this schema developing? And looking at what does motivate people. Um, in my studies, my graduate studies, we looked a lot at the motivation behind learning. And right. Barbara Wolf, she wrote a neuroscience textbook. She says, emotion drives attention and attention drives learning. Emotion drives attention. If you are not personally connected and invested in whatever is being talked about, you will not care about it. Your attention will not gravitate towards it. And what you just said, school is not set up to tap into intrinsic motivation. So we are here teaching kids about things where their emotions are not attached. 
And as we know, the traditional school structure was created and still upholds the system that educates white boys first and foremost. So we are losing a huge set of our kids in school right off the bat because we have not designed an education system to even support all of our kids. That's a whole other podcast episode. But if we bring this back for a minute, we are not connecting individuals, kids in the classroom, adults, therefore, after school to what actually motivates them. Where does my attention want to go? As a result, we fail to learn. We fail to learn in school. We fail to learn from each other. We fail to learn within and from ourselves. We have to tap into that self-awareness because when we learn ourselves, we can start to say, this is where I come from. This is where I like to be in the world. This is like how I like to show up. And from there, the world starts to open for us. It's this whole completely different paradigm of exploring ourselves and how we learn and how we operate and why we do that. It's so essential. And I'm so glad I'm literally like coming unglued within my skin right now because I am so glad that you are out here sharing this message with people as I try to do through my one-on-one clients, through my online programs, even through my fitness classes that I teach. I always try to integrate the message of you have to listen to yourself. Right. The guidance is here. The space is here if you need support. And sometimes we do really need to talk it out and chop it up with other people. But always my first question will be, what do you say? What is that internal voice saying to you right now? Let's start there. Because so many of us were taught that we don't know. And we're these empty vessels to be filled. And we're not self-aware. And we just have to learn. We have to learn how to be an adult. We have to learn how to take on this job. We have to learn how to be smart and pretty and desirable. And the list goes on and on. And the truth is, is it's already there within us. We just have to see what it looks like for us. Mm, I love that. Oh my goodness. You were born enough. You have everything you need inside yourself to become the fuller version of yourself. Yes. That's beautiful. Wow. All right. So we just, honestly, my soul feels fed. We just kind of took off. And to everybody who's listening, I hope that you also feel fueled by these conversations because there are people across the world, right? Makaya, you're out on the East Coast. Remind me where you are. Uh, originally from Washington, D.C., now about 15 minutes outside of it. And you're going to school where? University of Maryland. University. <laughs> Perfect. So there are people across the country, all ages, different creeds, different class. Everybody is across the country is trying to tap into how do I feel more like myself? How do I feel a little bit better? And there are people like Micaiah. There are people out here, the other people I've interviewed on this podcast who are saying, There's a path for you. If you are open to walking the path, the path will appear. So as you're listening here, if this is speaking to you, if you're saying, I really want to get in touch with myself, or I know somebody who needs to be getting in touch with themselves. If you know someone who can be served by Micaiah's work is between the ages of 12 and 18, you want to be connecting with places and spaces like hers. So Micaiah, if you would give us just the general overview. I know that your program, it's six weeks, but tell us a little bit about what this looks like and then how people can learn more about it if they are interested. Of course. So just as a brief overview, it is 
a support network that connects students ages 12 to 18 to life coaches and mentors for the sake of their development holistically. It essentially puts emphasis on their socio-emotional wellness and physical, emotional, mental wellness. It all is kind of all-encompassing in this community where we're all learning how to be the best version of ourselves in our respective journeys. We are a year-round program, but it is incremental, broken up incrementally for six weeks. So we do reassessments of how far we've grown and where we want to go from there. But definitely, if you want to find out more, I urge you to go onto our website, mindtheagape.org. And if you have any questions, definitely reach out to us on our Instagram platform. Our DMs are open. Perfect. It was awesome. All right. Mind the Agape. Agape is A-G-A-P-E. Mind the Agape. Go follow them on Instagram. As Micaiah said, the DMs are open. So Share with her if you hear this podcast episode and make sure to check out the website Mind the Agape to learn more about the program that Micaiah has created and the organization she is hosting for youth to find themselves to build that self-awareness and to step into the container of healing and well-being for their mind, body, and spirit. That is the conclusion of this interview, Micaiah. I want to say thank you so much for showing up and for sharing who you are. So often when we're out here doing this work, the platform is what we put forth, but the person behind the platform is always what I want to know because it's the person behind the platform that has gone through experiences that has shaped their own awareness of what it means to need healing and to know what healing is and to know that you need it means you have been places where you've felt hurt, you've felt lost, you have felt disconnected. And I so appreciate you touching on those things here with us and with my sincerest energy. I wish you all the best in these endeavors. And I hope that we stay connected and I get to hear more about your work as it evolves. Of course, of course, of course. I did out everything that you said. (laughs) I thank you so much for having me on your podcast and also just creating a space where people can embrace their essence. So I wish you the best as well. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. I'll talk with you next time. We have more interviews coming. And in the meantime, go check out the previous episode about the barriers to love and check out our guided meditation about cultivating joy.